0: Innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com. Welcome into hitting hard with John Chuck. We're here on locked on sports Atlanta today on the show, the flaw in Dean P's argument. i going to talk a little bit about the Falcons offensive line and FanGraphs puts out some numbers of what Dansby is worth. All next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by Bet Online. We ask you to head to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you find our page, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review there. Of course, now we're on Amazon Fire and Roku. Yes, check us out on those two platforms as well. And, of course, you can follow me at JMCH316 on my Twitter page. So Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons, spoke to the media yesterday, and he was pretty fired up. He was, you know, because he didn't like the criticism of the defense and the play last week. One of the things that he brought up, though, in his press conference is he talked about, well, you know, we gave up 20 points, you know, so where would that put us? You know, if we only gave up 20 points a game, where would that put us in scoring? And then he asked the media, and they didn't know. He's like, well, I already know. It would be 12th in in scoring, okay? Okay. And I get that. And, and what he was aggravated about is they people weren't complimenting his defense enough for what they're doing in the growth and things like that. But <laughs> th- this is the flaw. And, and this is what we have to work with, okay? Yes, if they give up, let's just say, three touchdowns, that's 20 points. Yes, if you give up three touchdowns a game, that's not a terrible number. Where the flaw is, is that That's also what this offense scores per game. You know, we're a three touchdown a game scoring offense. They're a three touchdown a game giving up defense. Something has to give. And what did we talk about at the very beginning of the week? That there are four to six plays in an NFL game that decide whether you win or whether you lose. The Falcons are not going to go out and beat everybody 42 to 13 every week and they're not going to go out and lose every week 35 to 10. They're going to score three touchdowns, they're going to give up three touchdowns. So what's the difference in winning? Here's a perfect example, okay? I know a lot of people are frustrated about what happened with Taquan Graham and in the fumble and all that, right? And yeah, it sucked, okay? But here's what's worse, and, and this is where I also disagreed with Pease because he talked about, it well, we didn't give up explosive plays, and he asked our buddy Mike Rothstein, you know, what do you consider explosive plays? We consider them 30 yards. Okay, 30-yard plays in the NFL are very hard to come by, okay? Anything over 20 yards is big plays in the NFL. But here's the problem, right? So when the Chargers started, when they when they ran that play, that, that Graham picked up the fumble, they were on their 21-yard line, Okay. They run the play. Graham picks up the fumble, runs it to the forty-two or forty-three, whatever it was. Fumbles, and that's where the Chargers recover. Right. So now the Chargers have first down, and they're at the Falcon or they're at their uh, the Falcons' forty-three yard line. Here's the problem: the very first play, you give up twenty-two yards. So literally, literally, they are in one play. Right back to where they were before the Taquan Graham fumble. Literally one play. That's where those. That's where the games start to get won and lost. And again, it's not just that one play. You miss a field goal here. You you get the ball stripped at you know near the goal line for Drake London. You overthrow your you know your unicorn. See, I'm doing that in quotes. Unicorn. You overthrow him multiple times. You know. One, two, three, four, five, six. There's the plays that decide on winning the football game or not. And so, okay, how do you, they, at the 43, they're not in field goal position, right? They're not kicking a 60 yard field goal, but you don't give up first and 10. Here's a 22 yard pass completion with no pressure. And he hucks it downfield and completes. So, while i understand 20 21 points three touchdowns a game that's not a bad number that that's not a bad number that's not where they're at that's not what they statistically are you know statistically they um they give up what uh 25 points a game but let's go off what dean p said oh you know if we hold everybody to 20 points a game whatever 21 points would be 12th in the league in scoring i get all that but you're also a three touchdown a game offense so if you're three touchdown Let's do some simple math. You score 21 a game, you give up 21 a game. That's a zero points, four points against, right? Well, unless you plan on tying every game, you're going to go 00 and 17. You're either going to win or lose some of those games because it'll be 24 21, you'll win. It'll be 24 21, you lose or whatever. But those five, four, five, six plays are what the difference is. And if you can sack Justin Herbert on a play where you make it third and 17 and they only pick up 10 and they have to punt instead of it's third and nine and they convert and, you know what I mean? Like, there's there are little nuanced things. I understand what Coach Pease is saying, and I understand his frustration. They have made some steps, and they are lacking in personnel. But when you're only this kind of team, when you're only – three touchdowns scoring, and your three touchdowns given up, you have to find things to influence the game. You have to sack the other team's quarterback. You have to capitalize on a turnover. Your offense has to be able to convert in the red zone. At times, you're going to have to not settle for a field goal, turn it into a touchdown in the red zone. There are things that the offense and defense both have to do. Do I think the Falcons have made progress in their defense? Yes, I do. But for instance, we talked, start Eba Katie. You know, get me a guy who can sack the quarterback or at least, at least can hit the quarterback. Get me, get that guy in there and play him more. Well, you know, we got percentages. Okay, okay. Look, you want to be a winning football team, you're gonna have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. You're gonna have to explore some different things. You're gonna have to give Ebba Katie more snaps. You're gonna not have to give up. You know, on first and 25 in three plays, they convert a first down. Now, he said, look, we got to pressure the quarterback more. We have to convert on third down more. Yes. I mean, that's the reality of where the Falcons are. So, while I understand Coach Pease and his frustration when the media comes and says, well, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? I get all that, and I understand. But understand that this is where the football team is, that those four to six plays When we don't make them are the difference between everybody comes in Monday morning, happy that we celebrate a victory or people come in frustrated that we picked up a loss. And that's where we're at. We're not good enough to go out and run off everybody off the field offensively or defensively. And we're not bad enough that we're going to get run off the field every week. That's not life in the NFL. It's those four to six plays that dictate everything. So, I love Coach Pees. I think he's a little bit off. I get his emotion, and I appreciate that. And I love the fact that he talks real. But he's got to understand, you can't. You know, okay, Taquan Graham lost the fumble. You can't turn around and let him get 22 yards. Get it all back, all back on one play. That's where it becomes frustrating. I want to talk about my friends over at Bet Online. Listen. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports wagering information. So it's easy, right? You take the mobile device in your hand, right? You pop in betonline.net, beep, bada, boop, bop, bop. You pop that in there and check out all the information that they have. They're going to help you be a smarter, sports better. All the sports wagering information you need, all the action you want to get on. You want football, you want basketball, you want, you know, hockey, whatever you want. It's all available at betonline.net. So head to betonline.net today. Check out all the information you need: stats, you need scores, you need podcast news, whatever you need. Everything is available at BetOnline.net. So head there today, get involved in the action. Whatever it is that you're into—college football, you know, pro football, NBA basketball—everything's available to you. Head to BetOnline.net today. It's where the action starts. All right, I uh, want to remind you too that. Uh, we want you to make Hitting Hard with John Trucker your first listen every day. Make sure you make our Locked on Sports Today podcast your second listen every day. Listen, all of the big stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day is available to you. You can find it for free on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast from. Check out Locked on Sports Today in that podcast. So let's talk a little bit about the offensive line for the Atlanta Falcons. I just have some random thoughts that I want to kind of talk about, Okay. Pro football focus rankings this week, the Falcons come in eighth overall. That's one spot up that they moved. So they'd been eighth for a lot of the season. They moved up one spot. They're now, I think it's the third or fourth best run blocking offensive line. They also are, and, and I know this I know this is not the fun narrative. Oh, you know, they can't protect Mariota. And uh, that's why we can't throw and all this. Okay. They're 13th in the NFL in pass efficiency. In pass block efficiency, they are 13th in the NFL. That's more than enough. Okay? They pass block well enough that Mariota can overthrow everybody we got on the team. He's got plenty of time to overthrow everybody. So they pass block well enough for all that. So their pass blocking is not a problem. Okay? Another thing. How much are they going to end up having to give Chris Lindstrom? You know, if you look at some of the contracts that guards in the NFL get, is he going to get the Quentin Nelson $20 million a year? No. But Look right now at a guy like Wyatt Teller, who grades out and is arguably one of the three best interior offensive linemen in the league. Okay. He got last year four years, $56.8 million, $14.2 million per year average, AAV, 14.2 million. Can Lindstrom be in that range? You darn right he can. He can be a 13 14 million dollar offensive lineman, very easily. Now, I bring this up for this reason okay, everybody loves to throw around these faux numbers. Oh, we're going to have a hundred million dollars of cap space. No, 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 no. no, you're really not. You're going to have about 70 million when all is said and done. And don't forget, you have things like Jake Matthews' cap number for next year is basically twice as much as it will be in any other year of his extension. They load it up next year specifically to give them relief for the rest of the year of the, of the length of his contract. And then you're probably looking at at some point, I doubt that they're going to wait until the end of Lindstrom's fifth year option. You're probably going to extend him. And you got a whole bunch of guys of, of look, all these guys that are on one year contracts. Well, guess what? You're not going to play with 25 less guys on your roster, whether you resign these guys or whether you, go out and replace them with one-year guys, all those guys have to be signed. So, and then if they pick up Marcus Mariota's option, which if they're a playoff team, you're going to tell me they're going to cut Mariota if he's a playoff quarterback for them. He takes them to the playoffs. They're cutting Mariota. So his number is going to double on the cap. So my point is, all of a sudden, when you start to do all of these things, that's $68, $77 million. All of a sudden starts getting wiped away pretty quickly doesn't mean that they won't have a lot of money. They'll have plenty of money to go out and get some guys. But again, the idea that they're going to sign the whole league, the the idea that they can sign Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack and Bosa and everybody in the entire world, it's not, not going to really be the case. Not by the time you start signing all your guys. It'll be like one of those situations where you have room for a free agent or two, right? That's what it'll end up being. And hopefully they'll take some of this cap money they didn't use this year. They'll obviously roll it over to next year, and that'll give them some more space and relief, right? So, look, Falcons are in good shape financially. But this idea of all this money they have, it's going to get eaten up pretty quickly because you're going to have to sign Lindstrom. You know, you're going you know, to have to sign on a right guard or a right tackle. If you don't sign McGarry, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but a right tackle of any quality is going to cost you some bucks in this league. You might want to upgrade at center. You're going to need more offensive linemen. What are you going to do about the wide receiver position? Ridley's gone. Are you going in another year where Drake London and Zacchaeus and Cadero Hodge are going to go get yourself another playmaker there? What are you going to do about the running back spot? Thankfully, they're in pretty good shape there. You know, maybe they invest a draft pick and you let Patterson play one more year, and then you kind of move on to your rookies and young guys. But there are decisions that are going to have to be made for this team. And what they're going to decide on Lindstrom's going to be very interesting because he's played his way into a top flight contract for an offensive lineman. He's played his way into maybe not Quentin Nelson, $20 million a year money, but he's played his way into $14 million a year. I can tell you that the guy that's very interesting is Caleb McGarry, who has definitely had a better year this year, maybe his best year as a pro. But, you know, as I dive into some of his numbers, Okay. And and you look at where his numbers are this year. First off, his overall grade this year is the highest that it's been in his career. The thing I think was interesting is when you look at his pass blocking grade numbers. Okay. The games that he is really struggling in. For instance, last week he was terrific, an 81. Okay. But look at some of the grades, look at some of the teams where he struggled. He struggled mightily against the Rams, 41.2. He struggled a lot against the San Francisco 49ers, 50.4. He also struggled mightily against Cincinnati. Remember the Trey Hendrickson sack? 54.6. So my point is, he still has struggles when they face top-flight pass rushers. You know, he didn't do too badly against the Browns, but there's no Clowney and no Miles Garrett in that game. You know, when he's not up against top-tier pass rushers, He's been able to hold his own. His run blocking grades have been good this year. And and everything that you could ask for, all of it. You know, like I said, his his overall grade has been pretty good. You know, um, he's last week he graded out at a at a um uh 91.6 overall. He had the highest pro football focus grade that he's that, of any Falcon this past week, 94 in the run blocking game. So he's done some good things. It does make me wonder about whether or not they are going to consider signing him to an extension in the offseason. Remember, he is a free agent. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option, so unlike Lindstrom, who will be back on a fifth-year option, but you got to think about extending him. Are they going to offer Caleb McGarry a contract? I wouldn't be surprised, and and we're talking about this now. I know we got a long way to go, but we're going to put this nugget into your head. I'm not going to be surprised if they don't offer Caleb McGarry a contract because here's what we do know and, and again let me say this well let me let me give you something I think they're going to offer McGarry a contract that season's in I think they're going to offer him a contract to come back and be a part of this team I think he's played well enough that they will look at him and offer him a contract now the other thing I was going to say is isn't it amazing with Matt Hennessy going on IR Elijah Wilkinson going on IR and you're hearing all these things we haven't heard a single solitary peep about Jalen Mayfield. We haven't heard his name since he went through training camp. He got banged up a little bit here and there, played in the preseason, and then all of a sudden, when it came time for the first 53-man roster, and he made the roster but immediately went on IR. And he was on IR going into week one of the season. We haven't heard a peep. Did, Did he have reconstructive back surgery? Like, what has he had? We haven't heard a word out of them for a team that has no interior offensive lineman to speak of. We have two guys that are on IR that are, have been, are our two starters have been on IR. The guy who started all 17 games last year, we haven't heard a peep. Well, he's on IR. He's been hurt. <coughs> he's been hurt for a half a year. <coughs> Is that what you're selling me on? He's been hurt for an entire half a season. Nine weeks? Again, did he have reconstructive back surgery? I'll say it again. He will get a shot to start next year. And if he can't start, he'll be Marlon Davidson. They'll cut him. His time in future with the Falcons as a third-round pick last year is going to be very close to ending. He'll either win the left guard starting job next year, or he's going to be Marlon Davidson cut and released. Just kind of is what it is for all of this stuff. Again, remind you to make locked on sports today. Your second listen, every day takes of the day, the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, check out locked on sports today podcast. It's available on Odyssey, the YouTube app, anywhere you get your podcast from, check us out there as well. Looking at fan graphs, they put out their top 50 free agents in major league baseball, right? Well, we know Dansby Swanson is a top tier free agent and Looking through their list, Aaron Judge, okay, Jacob DeGrom, who's now available, all this, that, and the other, right? So Dansby, in their top 50, um, came in at number eight, right? This is what I think is interesting, is they started putting values on these guys and what potential contracts would look like. So for Dansby Swanson, what they project out is what his contract estimate is because based on age and all the different metrics and all the good kind of stuff, right? Six years, $140 million, okay? Six for 140. So that comes out to an AAV of $23.3 million per year. Now, let's talk about the pros and cons of all this, right? The cons. One is you're gonna have a guy sign under contract till he's 35 years old, because he's 29 now. So he's gonna be in his mid mid thirties at the end of this deal where, you know, okay, how many good years are we going to get at 33, 34, 35 years old, right? Also, can he replicate, how many more times can he replicate this past season? How many more times can he replicate 25 homers, 99 runs scored, 96 RBI getting on base, the the defensive stuff. We'll put that in the positive. We'll talk about in a second. But how many more offensive seasons can he replicate like like he had this past year? Or is that the best that he can do offensively? So the positives. We saw him steal a bunch of bases this year. Hopefully that trend continues. His defense isn't going anywhere. He's finally got the gold glove. He was robbed in 2020 of the gold glove. He finally won it this year, as we told you months in advance would happen. Now he's an elite-level shortstop. That will stay with him for a while. The offense, look, he's going to hit for power. He's going to drive in runs. And depending on what the future of where do you hit Michael Harris, maybe Dansby goes into a more run-producing role. Maybe he comes out of that number two hole as they get more comfortable with Michael Harris, and you've got Ronnie and Michael Harris at the top, and you move Dansby into maybe a 5-6 spot. I think Riley's going to be your three-hitter but I could see them rolling with Michael Harris in either the two or three spot and and Riley either hits three or four. So where he hits in the future, I think they'd like to keep him at two, but Michael Harris may bring him down into a run producing role. And then obviously, you know, with Ozzy coming back, I mean, a lot of things to figure out about there. Look, this is a first world problem, right? So can he replicate what he did last year? Maybe not as often, but certainly he's in line to have a few more good offensive seasons. If I'm the general manager, would I give Dansby six for 140? Yes, I would. First off, he plays the most important defensive position on the diamond. Okay? Let's be realistic. Shortstop's the most important place you can play. The shift is going away, so you need a guy who can give you good range all over the infield. It's not going to be all gimmicked up anymore. It's not going to be, you know, the repo man or, you know, fake razor or doink the clown anymore playing defense, Major League Baseball. As the shift goes away, you're going to need guys that are that traditional go left, go right, and cover a lot of ground. Dansby's a guy like that. So his elite level defense makes him worth a lot to start with. Then you add in, he's going to be a consistent 20 homer, 15 steal type of guy. There's a lot of value in that. And he's going to score a lot of runs because no matter where he hits, he's got plenty of speed on the base pass and he runs aggressive as well. So there are a lot of things besides can he hit 300 and hit 25 homers and drive in 100 runs? There are a lot of other things that Dansby brings to this club, plus the leadership factor and all that kind of stuff, because he's a veteran on this team now. Would I give 140 for six years to Dansby? Yes, I would, because that's what it's going to be $23 million a year. Not everybody on the Braves is going to get way below market value contracts. Not everybody's going to be a 6 or $7 million player. Not everybody on the Braves is going to sign a, you know, Ronald Acuna 10 years for eight bucks contract. At some point, you're going to have to pay some guys. And they understand that. They know their payroll is going to go up, it's going to move up and, uh, uh, Schiller said that they understand they're going to be, a, they, they can be a top five payroll and 200 million and all this kind of stuff. Okay. At some point, like guys want some money, like guys are not going to just play for a ham and cheese sandwich, right? You're going to have to pay me more than a cinnamon bagel and a cup of Joe, right? You're going to have to pay some money. You got to pay for Max Fried. You have to pay for Dansby. They didn't get those guys locked up, you know, early in their career where, you know, again, it doesn't cost them a whole lot. You know, they wait till free agency. Dansby's a pure free agent. He's going to look at other offers. He's going to get counter offers and he's going to decide. We had Dansby in our studios on the radio station last week and Dansby made a clear look. He wants to be in Atlanta Brave and he he said it's a business. He understands. I don't think they're going to, you know, offer him, you know, again, Trey Turner is probably going to get two hundred fifty. Million or more. I don't think they're going to go in that realm. I think Carlos Correa is going to play on a short deal with a high average. You know, he could be like a three for 90 kind of player. So six for 140. Yeah, that's a big chunk of money that you're going to have to put out for Dansby. But you want a power hitting, elite defensive, gold glove, steal some bases, score a bunch of runs shortstop in baseball you want maybe one of the one two three best defensive players at the most important defensive position on the on the diamond yeah you're going to have to pay for that it's going to cost you some money and all of the good things that they did signing guys to more market value contracts sometimes you have to bite the bullet to keep your team together and and offer that kind of money So if FanGraphs is correct in looking at some of these projections, six for 140, I think the Braves are willing to do that. I think the Braves would do that, and I think Dansby would take that offer. Could Dansby maybe get more somewhere else? Sure. You have to start looking, though, at the teams that are looking for shortstops. The Dodgers will be looking for a shortstop. The Red Sox are going to look for a shortstop, right? There are some high-market, high-dollar teams looking for a shortstop. But I think – if it's an offer somewhere around, even if it's six for say one thirty-five or something, you know, if you're over a hundred, if you're over twenty million a year, I think you'll get that six for one forty. I think the Braves would do that, and I think Dansby would take that money as well. All right, Well, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Be sure to make Locked On Sports today your second podcast listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day as well. Check them out for free on Odyssey, YouTube, all the different platforms. We are available, of course, at Locked On Sports Atlanta on YouTube. When you find us in that search browser, hit that subscribe button. Be a part of our community. Leave us a comment there on what we talk about. Don't forget, we are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Spotify, Odyssey, pick whatever favorites are yours. You can find us for free there. Roku and Amazon Fire. Yes, we are on those platforms as well now, so check us out on those platforms and, of course, you can follow me at JMCH316 on Twitter. We will be back tomorrow. We're going to preview Falcons and Panthers. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members.